to another episode, fellas. I am your host, Zach Britta, joined by my two favorite co-hosts of all time, Chris and Preston. And today, it's going to be a little bit of a shorter one, but however, the Coyotes and the Ducks, they are looking pretty solid right now. The Coyotes and Ducks, they both made some decent offseason moves, and now they're both sticking around 500. They're actually competing in games, and they're looking, you know, pretty decent. But what are you guys' thoughts here on the Coyotes and Ducks? Is it sustainable? Is it not? Let me know your guys' thoughts. So I think that I think the Ducks are to me are a bigger surprise than the Coyotes. I know you guys were really low on the Coyotes going into the year. I didn't think they were going to be horrible. Like I thought they'd be like a mid team. Like mm-hmm. and I think they still are a mid team. Is there a slight chance they could compete for a playoff spot later in the year? Maybe. But the Ducks, I thought it was going to be another year like where they're just like dog water. Like they're horrible. But I mean they they're proving people wrong right now. They're playing really good hockey right now. The young guys have been really. Uh, well, one guy uh, I want to talk about is I, I don't even know how to say his name is his defenseman Pavel Mintikov. Oh, I don't know. Mintikov. Yeah, Mintikov. Yeah. yeah, he's been really, really impressive. He was a he was a first round pick in 2022, tenth overall, and through 12 games he has eight points. He he's been really, really good for the Coyotes. Uh, Leo Carlson has been really good out of the gate for them. As I mean expected probably because he he was the second overall pick in the draft um and oddly enough the one guy who hasn't really been doing a lot this year has been trevor zegris he's kind of gotten off to a slow start this year he only has two points in 12 games and they're winning without like their best player arguably playing at the top of his game right now i mean they have a really good goalie in john gibson still who's gonna steal their games i mean this is a team i think that right now is a they might be playing a little bit above where they're supposed to be, but uh, I think this is a fun team to watch. Yeah, you know, hot, very highly offensive. Uh, yeah, as <laughs> Zegers just gets paid, you know, you expect him to be at the top of their uh, their point totals, but you know, he's just not, and that that's a that's not a bad thing because you know the team's winning games, they're putting together you know a couple wins in a row, and then they're just fun to watch. I I think I wasn't as high on Mason McTavish coming into the season, but oh, I he's forgot to definitely... mention him. Yeah, he's been a stud. Yeah, yeah he has. Over a point per game for Mason McTavish, Vetrano is scoring nine goals in 12 games to start the season. And not to mention, like you mentioned earlier, their goaltender, you mentioned John Gibson. How about Lucas Dostal here? He's played six games. He's 5-5-1 with the 2.8 goals against the 9.20 save percentage. That save percentage is great. And Gibson has a 9.21 save percentage. So right now, I mean, they're getting stellar goaltending. They're playing well on the back end. They're scoring goals. They're they're a fun, fast team to watch. Troy Terry, who just ended up getting paid, he has 10 points in 12 games. So this team, they're getting contributions all around. Now, is, is some of it sustainable? I don't think all of it's sustainable. Obviously, I think they'll eventually fall back down to earth. However, if you can still be getting play, great play from McTavish for Toronto, and um, your other top guns, and then you all of a sudden you if you if Zegers can start to get going, this team could be a really fun. I mean, they're already a fun team to watch, but the second the Zegers gets going, man, this team is going to be a hundred percent better to watch because, I mean, twelve two points in twelve games for a guy who was fighting for contract talks coming into the season. Granted, he had no preseason time, training camp time, whatever. So like when he started off slow, like the first few games, it's like okay, like we understand, but. We're 12 games in now. Like, when is he going to start to get going? Like, is he just going to put up another 40 points this season? And, and because he's off to a horrible start for a guy who's supposed to be your franchise cornerstone centerpiece in the middle of your lineup. And right now, he's just not playing like it. So, I, 
I don't think it's a concern for Zegras yet, but if he's, you know, 20 games in and he's at four or five points, I think there's going to be a cause for major concern for him, especially. I'm not worried at all about Trevor Zegras. I mean, he's been away from the team for a while because mm-hmm. he, like, he wasn't under contract. He wasn't allowed to practice or really be around the team. Um, you know, you had a lot of new young guys in the room. Um, I mean, I think at this point, Zegers has proven like he's a consistent 40, at least 40, 50 point player in the NHL. And I think, you know, once he'll get into the swing of things, but this might be a bit of a hot take here. I think their future, I think their franchise cornerstone player right now is Mason McTavish, not Trevor Zegers. I don't know. I, I was going to, I was going to come in with something like that. And I think you know, is it Leo Carlson, I know it's early in his career, but you know, playing really well. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, maybe maybe he could prove the people wrong. I mean, everyone was very surprised when they took him over Adam Fantilli because everyone was like, yeah. okay, it's going to be Bedard, Fantilli. That that was the that was yeah. what everyone was saying all summer, and they kind of shocked everyone. It took Leo Carlson, and, you know, it's kind of paid off. He's been very, very good for them I mean, uh, to start the year. If, um, he has four points in eight games, and on that pace, he's going to be at about 41 points. And if he plays a full 82 games now, he's obviously not going to do that, but... If he can put up between 35 to 40 points, I know that's not really number two overall type of numbers, but if he oh, can... Oh, no, put, that's an amazing if he can, rookie if he, year for an 18-year-old. If, if, if he can put up those numbers, I think you'll be safe to say like this team is going to be hovering around 500. And if you can start getting... I mean, they're getting contributions all around the lineup. I mean, Ryan Strom right now is at a, a point-per-game pace. He's at 11 points in 11 games. Again, a guy who you don't really expect to put up these type of numbers for this long into a season is putting up great numbers and i just think the ducks they're I, I don't think they're really overperforming per se i think they'll come back on the earth eventually but listen if it's working whatever's working keep doing it because if, if there's a system that is working i don't think the ducks should go away from it i don't think there is going to be anytime soon if they can compete in games and stay in games and even against you know the top tier teams in the west gain an extra point from that not only are these young players going to gain experience from not only playing those bigger better tougher teams like vegas and like dallas and colorado etc but you'll also gain confidence let's say they go in the, into vegas's home arena and you salvage a point against vegas those young guys are going to be confident big listen like we can hang with the stanley cup champions like we can do whatever the hell we want against any team in the league and i think that would be huge for this entire team you know they did beat them the other day, right? They gave them that their is first right. regulation That loss. is right. That is right. Yeah, and yeah, it was in Vegas as well. So I believe my point proven. Yeah. So so what you just said is they're they're been there, done that, you know. <laughs> mm. But the real thing that is making this Ducks team play like they are right now, I know what you're gonna say, is Ilya Labushkin. <laughs> I knew you were gonna fucking say that. <laughs> listen, listen. He brings the vibes. He brings the good play. I mean, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but I mean, his one year on the Sabers, they were the closest to making the playoffs they have in the past twelve years. You might be onto something, you know. Yeah, he broke Vasilevsky. Yeah, he did. Literally broke that team. Um, and then moving on the here. Drewski meme. What's that? The Drewski meme. meme. <laughs> So moving on here to the Coyotes, they're also hovering around 500. Unfortunately, they are just outside of a wildcard spot. However, they made a key addition in the offseason acquiring Mac Dumba. And if you go up and down their lineup, they're pretty solid. I mean, you have Clayton Keller, who's putting up 11 points in 12 games. Nick Schmaltz is doing Nick Schmaltz things. I think he's a very underrated player at this point. He's put up 12 points in 12 games. And not to mention, they ended up acquiring guys like Sean Dersey. And they also ended up signing Logan Cooley in the offseason, who right now is going 
going to be a top three finalist for Calder Trophy. And then their goaltending wise, I mean, you got Connor Ingram here, who's putting up a two four seven nine nineteen, and then Vimelko is putting up putting up a two point nine goals against average with the nine zero save percentage. So again, like you're getting contributions up and down the lineup, and the Coyotes, I think they have a chance to be more sustainable throughout the entire season than I think a lot of people think. Personally, I was a little bit lower. I think I had them seventh in the Pacific Division. But, I mean, dude, how they're competing right now, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if they finished sixth. Or maybe fifth, maybe fifth. The Coyotes have a bad reputation in the NHL because they've been very bad for a very long time. Everyone was like the joke because... They make horrible sightings and they trade them away for nothing. And then they trade for veteran players just to get to the cap floor. But uh, I think for the first time in a long time, maybe the first time ever, I think this franchise is finally starting to get on the right track. Their young players are developing. They're getting them signed. Players are starting to want to be there. Now, it remains to be seen if they're going to get that new arena that they need. Because I think that's going to be a big thing going forward, especially getting guys like Logan Cooley to sign long-term contracts. Because if he gets to the last year of his rookie deal and they still don't have like a permanent arena plan solution, I can't see him signing a long-term deal. Yeah, no, that was kind of the same thing with Keller in the offseason. We were hearing, oh, he wants to be moved because they don't have a permanent home. And, you know, I, I think that was a fair a fair request. You know, I, I think that's really that's really important to the Coyotes players that are want to be there long term. I think it's important to any player because if you sign a long term contract, you're like a lot of the almost all of these guys have families. A lot of them like they're kids, Love like they're putting down kids. roots in these cities like they're putting down roots in these cities and they, they when they sign an eight year contract. They expect to be in the same place for eight years. I know maybe like the last year or two, they might end up getting traded based on circumstances beyond their control. But you don't expect like three years into your eight-year deal that you're going to move to like Atlanta or Quebec or like somewhere else in the on the other side of the continent. You'll I, just pick up and move. I think it's like I think it's different circumstances. Circumstances like between getting traded, like whatever. Hot, like this is a business. Like if a team thinks that you could be a tradable asset then, you know, to make their team better, then they do it. But it's a different thing. It's where, like, oh, like, we don't know if we're going to have a new arena in Arizona. And we can literally go anywhere as far as Quebec or even Nova Scotia. It's, like, at that point, there's just uncertainty of, like, I want, like, maybe they want to sign, you know, a six, seven, eight-year deal at Arizona. But it's, like, what if in three to four years we're all of a sudden playing up in either Houston, Atlanta, Quebec, Nova Scotia, anywhere across North America, and especially for the older guys on the team, they're like, well, we have a family. My kids go to school. Like, if we have to move all the way across North America, like, they're going to have to make new friends. We have to find a new school. Like, so it goes into more than just him as, like, them as a hockey player. Like, I'm sure, like, the hockey players for business-wise, like, don't mind. Like, obviously, they don't want to do that, but they don't mind it. But it's more like taking into account, like, their families and just having to pick everything up and moving around. So that's a thing that can also come into effect as well when it comes into, like, the Coyotes arena situation. I just want to say one last thing about, like, the Coyotes arena thing that we can talk about, like, how they've actually been playing hockey. I truly do hope that, like, they find some kind of long-term solution because I know the Coyotes don't have a ton of fans, but a lot of their fans are, like, die-hard, crazy fans. And I think... You know, this team is finally starting to get good. And I think once they have a better team and they're playing and they're winning and they're making the playoffs on a yearly basis, that's how you grow the game. And, you know, they have that reputation. Like, and that's just in the hockey community. Like, and people outside the hockey community don't even know that Arizona Coyotes exist for the most part. 
And when I do, they say, oh, they're probably horrible because I've never heard of them. And they're not wrong. Let's but I, 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 this team is like, they've had good prospects. They have a ton of draft picks. And like their, their prospects are like blossoming into something, which usually doesn't happen with them. No. Shout out shout out to your Coyotes fans. Um, One player here that I do want to see more pr- production from is Barrett Hayden. He has one point in 12 games. Although, I was watching the Coyotes game the other night. I know, right? Surprising. I just want to see how the broadcast looked in the new arena. But, so, what I saw was that last season, Barrett Hayden started off really, really slow like this as well. And then in like the last, I don't know, it was like 40 or 42 games, whatever it was, he put up almost 20 goals in that span. It wasn't 20 goals. It was like 16 or 17, something like that. But, if it, it like Barrett Hayden... If he can start to get going here and start to not even putting the puck into the net, but even like making plays, creating offensive chances. I haven't looked at his analytics, so maybe he's just snake bit and he's creating the chances. Who knows? But if he can start get going like on the score sheet or just making it more of an impact in the game, this team's gonna be even better. Like I get obvi- that's obvious because more players on your team produce equals you know your team's probably better. But if he can start to get going, that's just another asset that you're adding to an already very fun team to watch. I know I use Coyotes and fun in the same sentence. Um, but Barrett Hayton, though, if he can start being consistent and knock it off the slow stars, this team is going to be in a really good spot. And I, I don't mean to call hate Barrett because I, I don't really like to do that. But, I mean, dude's putting up one point in 12 games for a guy who I think should be at least putting maybe six to seven points by this point. Yeah, I mean, I'm not super worried about it. You know, players, it's still, like, right. we're still in the first month of the year. Like, some players, they're, gonna like, get they're going. super, yeah, some guys just take a little bit more time to get going than others. Um, I mean, but... Casey Middlestat was a point per game in the last 30 games last year. He also ended up leading the Sabres in points per game from the, from, I think it was, like, March 1st to the end of the season. Anyways, that's besides the point, but. But I really, I really like Logan Cooley. I honestly think he's the, pro- I think he's the only rookie right now that actually has a chance to beat uh, Connor Bedard for Rookie of the Year. Yeah, a hundred percent. Although Matthew Potras, however you pronounce his name, I mean he's looking solid. I sorry I if I believe, butchered that. that I, I can't believe the post that the the Coyotes put up the other day when like you like when you didn't draft Logan Cooley <laughs> yeah. first overall. <laughs> like that was what, great. That, like the Coyotes, they they don't really have much to brag about. I'll give them that one. I mean, it, I think it's still early, too early. I to think call it's Sapkowski a fun. A, I I think it's just poking fun at the situation because I know that a lot of Canadians fans are uh, Canadians fans are getting really mad about how bad Sapkowski's been. Yeah, like we picked him first overall. Like he's not playing like the first overall pick should. And uh, you know, I, I think it's it's still too early to call him a bust or not. Uh, I wouldn't call him a bust yet. I would give him another year or two. It but, was funny though. It was funny. I, yeah, I had a good. It was. It was hilarious. I couldn't believe they posted that. I was like, "Damn!" I, I just, rare, very rare Coyotes dub. It was great. Yeah, it, it, increasingly common Coyotes it's, dub. It's still rare. It's still <laughs> rare. rare. W. I just real quick here before we move on. The Coyotes are playing the Blues tonight, and I saw a clip where Liam. I believe it was Liam O'Brien. Uh, ended up chasing Sammy Blyze across the ice with his gloves on, trying to fight him. It was I don't I don't. Him in the back and broke his who, stick. Who did Light? Liam O'Brien. Liam O'Brien. So, I mean, that was that was that was kind of it was a kind of. I a will funny clip, say though, though that uh, in that game the Blues went 0 for seven on the power play. I did see that stat um, on the ESPN app, but take, take that Tarasenko Wait, jersey up. Who, down. Who? You know what? No, it's from 2015. That thing's almost 10 years old, man. That's not. 
Oh, fuck. Um, but here, though, we're... Thank you to our sponsor, SeatGeek, and use code checking from behind to get $20 off your first purchase. If you guys are looking to go to any NHL games or just any event in general, you guys can go to the SeatGeek app or website at the search bar at the top of the screen. You can search whichever event you're looking to go to, and then it's going to end up bringing all the ticket choices for your selection. It's going to end up rating your tickets to whatever value they are so let's say it's a dark green that means the value of the ticket you're looking at is really really good if it's going to be a dark red that means the value of the ticket isn't really that great and also it's going to rate it on a scale of 1 to 10 inside that circle so let's say it's an 8.3 out of 10 that's really good if it's a 1.3 out of 10 that's really bad i wouldn't recommend doing the red seats i would recommend doing the Kind of like the 8 to 10 range or the dark green. Again, best prices guaranteed. Use code checking from behind to get $20 off your first purchase. Moving on to another team. I know we've talked about the Oilers a lot recently because they have been a dog sort of a team. The Oilers. Yeah, we do not talk about them. Right. Like the Oilers ended up waving Jack Campbell yesterday, yesterday as of the recording. So two days ago when you guys are watching this. What should the Oilers do in goal? In goal? I know like maybe they could possibly trade for one. Maybe work something out but they don't really have many options they don't have a lot of tradable pieces right now on the team with how bad they're playing the tradable pieces that you do have are either mcdavid dry or they're performing for your team but i mean campbell played so bad like this was evident that it was going to come yeah i mean what can they do a goal i mean they maybe can. they're hoping that you know they they send him down to the ahl for like a, a few weeks and it snaps him out. Maybe he's like he's in some funk in it. Like he's like like shit. I need to play better. And he comes back up and he plays way better. I they also I, I think they're trying to send a message to the locker room saying we need to be better. Like nobody's safe. I mean obviously they're not going to send like McDavid. I mean I would if I were them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean yeah I'm sure no one will claim him. No one will claim yeah, him. No no. No one's claiming that twelve and a half million dollars. I think that'll be the first time ever in NHL history every team bringing a waiver claim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, San Jose gets McDavid. I mean, I feel like they just have to roll with Stuart Skinner for a little bit and see what they got. I mean, he was a finalist rookie of the year last year, which I still Probably think one. is kind of odd. But, I mean, he's 25. You, 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 you let him roll for a little. I mean, he can't get worse, right? I mean, he can't. Although, the team in front of him needs to start performing, too, defensively. I mean... The Edmonton Oilers, I believe, are either 31st or 32nd in shots allowed in the slot, I believe, which is absolutely horrible. Like well, Those are the high-danger chances exactly, right there. Right? Like, I will say that the Sharks and the Oilers are playing right now, and the Sharks are winning one nothing. Listen, I mean, I'm saying. Shit. <laughs> Listen. The Sharks are catching up to the Oilers in the wind department. They just need one more to be tied. Dude, it's going to... Listen, the Sharks ended up winning one game and traded for Kel Addison. Planned the fucking parade. Anyways, though. I, I think that was more of a... <laughs> it was it was a, a cap dump by Minnesota. Future, that was a, I mean, that was a futures move. It, was, I mean, it wasn't a cap still... dump. He's still really young. Well, he's like 22 so, years old. Well, no, no, no. I know that. But when I looked in the comments or whatever, a while fan was like, yeah, like, we know we can't do anything with the cap, so we traded Kel Addison for a fifth-round pick. But Yeah, I mean, he's on like a... Like a uh elc i think yeah but so, dude dude they so, probably can't, can't afford to sign him that's exactly the issue. yeah that isn't so good um but anyways though we're off the topic here the oilers and the like you can't do anything you don't have enough really enough assets to trade for 
a top tier goalie or even I, maybe you can do like a serviceable type serviceable type of goalie but i mean outside of that though, like the goalie market right now isn't that great like it's either like your top end goaltenders or like it's really nothing like it, a lot of times goaltenders will not rely on but like build a team in front of a goaltender before because like in my opinion if they even if they had guys like andre vasilevsky sirkin sorokin etc like Dude, they're not saving this dog shit team either. I mean, even if they try to trade a goalie, I know like the, the rest of the NHL GMs are very well aware that the Oilers are desperate mm-hmm. for a goalie. Yeah. So you take like your backup goalie that maybe like at best you get like a third or fourth round pick. The Oilers call you. It's like, oh, hey, hey, Ken Holland, how you doing, buddy? Oh, you need a goalie? First round pick for my backup. Yep. You up and the thing. If I'm the Sabers, like, are you are you trying to fuck me? Like, like I'm not giving you a first round pick for your backup. It's like, well, he's better than both all of your goalies on your roster. So yes, right. If I'm the Sabers, I'm looking at Eric Comrie coming back faster than expected. I'm looking at Edmonton. He's from the Edmonton area. Give me McDavid. I think though, if if the Oilers lose to San Jose tonight, I think they're going to do something drastic. I really do. I think something. I think they. I think they're going to fire their coach. Honestly, Eric Comrie. Welcome to Edmonton. No, but I I was watching the point on ESPN Plus earlier and um they were talking about this exact situation. It was like if the Oilers lose to the Sharks tonight, like what's going to happen? Any drastic changes? And I believe it was Emily Kaplan and Kevin Weeks and somebody else. Uh they were talking about it and they were like, "Yeah, like maybe not drastic changes, but we can see the Oilers coach like be fired by tomorrow morning or whatever if the Oilers like legitimately lose to the Sharks whether it's regulation overtime whatever that's a real possibility Preston if the Oilers oh, end up I, 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 if I, I 100% believe that if the Oilers lose to the San Jose Sharks tonight what's, what's their coach's name Jay Woodcroft yeah right? yeah he will not be have a job tomorrow he's is, is the game in San Jose yes yes he's, he's staying in San Jose <laughs> he's not coming back on the team plane I can I can assure you no, yeah, they'll probably fly him home and then fire yeah. him. Not they'll fly him home like and be that. like, uh, go fuck yourself. Now nah, they'll be sitting there or whatever. They're, they're, they'll be all, like, getting together. And then Mincy will be like, yeah, like, tonight, unacceptable. Like, you you see that door? I want you to go over there. And he's going to be like, okay, what, open it and get the fuck out type of thing. You know what's, no, you know what's going to happen? Is they're not even going to tell him. He's going to wake up tomorrow morning and go to the team facility. He's going to use his car to get in. It's just not going to open the door. It's like, going to be that Jamal Adams. <laughs> yeah. They, cu- they ain't cut me. Yeah, they did. Uh, yeah. Um, But moving on here to Kakanyami, who is actually playing at a career pace right now. He's having a breakout season with 12 points in 13 games. A big part on the why Carolina is the Carolina Hurricanes and playing well. I mean, that whole team is stacked. But Kakaniemi, though, I mean, he really hasn't shown this type of production since coming into the league. He His career high is 43 points in 82 games, which came last season. So, granted, the guys he's playing around are probably insane, like the more like the better players you play around the higher production is going to be but Kakaniemi though at this pace right now like dude 65 70 points is not out of out of the realm I know like maybe his point per game pace is not sustainable for a guy like him but maybe it is though I mean yeah I mean this guy's kind of had a weird development path because you know he has a probably a better than expected rookie year and then especially in Montreal and that makes his is expect the expectations for him go up 
way. Are you guys even listening? Yeah. I am. Oh, I'm, neither no, 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 I'm looking, I'm looking at stats. I, I also am. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, you have very high expectations, you know, right off the bat from having a really good rookie year in Montreal to then, you know, kind of simmering down to more of like, yeah, he had a horrible second year. He had eight points in 36 yeah. games, ends up getting sent down to the AHL. And, uh, you know, he's a little bit better his third year than, you know, Carolina surprises everyone and signs another offer sheet. And, you know, he didn't really have that great of a first year in Carolina either. But last year, he got a bigger role in the team and, you know, he took advantage of it. He was a really important player for them down the stretch. And he's been a really important player for them now to start the year. Yeah, I think I think expectations were unfairly placed on him. You know, Montreal reached on him third overall. You know, there were a lot better players behind him that should have went higher. But I, I think, you know, him finally, you know, getting out of, you know, the Canadian market kind of helped because, you know, Montreal media is almost as bad as Toronto, in my opinion. Um, oh, they're, they're, I think uh, they're, I think they're not as bad because they, a lot of them are French and who can't read French. They can't, can't understand. <laughs> um, yeah, they're just as bad as Toronto. Yeah, um, I, I think, you know, I, I think he fits, you know, the way Rod Brennamore wants him to play. And he, he's stepping up offensively like like Montreal thought he would. But, you know, unfortunately for Montreal, he was uh, offer sheeted. He's, he's getting big power play minutes, too, on this team, which helps. I know he only has two power play points in 13 games. But, I mean, last season, though, he had 11 of his 43 points came on the power play. So I'm expecting that power play production to jump off this season. And maybe, let's say he keeps up this pace. Let's say he gets 70 points and he plays a full 82 games like he did last season. I mean, you're looking at maybe 16, 17 power play points for a guy like him. And I think Rob Brendamore is finally, not finally, but he's given him a big role last season, like you said. And now he's kind of going to be blossoming into this guy. And a late bloomer, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, taking third overall, they ended up reaching on him. It didn't really work out in Montreal with the pressure and everything of being a high draft pick. So I think Kakaniemi now is finally realizing that, you know, just just play your game. Like, just do what you can do. Just make an impact on the game. And when you do that, the points will come. The production on the score sheet will come. Like, you don't always need to impact the game on the score sheet. Obviously, it helps, especially from your top guns. But going to a sack team like Carolina kind of took the pressure off of him. He wasn't really asked to do too much. And now he can develop into that guy where now if you need a big play, like, you know, you can go to him. Obviously, you still have big guns like Aho and Natchez and Svechikov, et cetera, on that team. But Kakaniemi is finally really learning how to – Now, I don't want to say learning how to play the game of hockey because he obviously knows how to, but he's just realizing that he can just go out there and play hockey and have fun on this team, and I think that's been great for his development. I mean, I watched the Hurricane Sabres game on Tuesday. This this team is scary. Like they're just relentless. Like, dude, geez, you can't. It's hard to get anything going against these guys. Like if they're on their game, they move the puck. Like they play so well as a team. Like I've never seen a team like like the whole team dialed in like that. And they're like like I said, they're relentless. I don't know which goal it was in that game, but there was this one. There, it was this one cycle where some somebody oh, came back to the uh, point. Oh, Shea scored. Yeah, yeah that, that, when, goal, that, puck that, that puck movement was movement, gross. Uh, it was insane. Like, what can you do? 
Like you can't. Like, do I thought anything. the Sabers played pretty well positionally, but like at a point, like you can't cover everyone it's when like, moving like I'm that. I'm sitting there, I'm looking at the replay. I'm like, damn, like he's wide open. But then they showed the replay and everything. It's like one, the Sabers were hemmed in their zone for a while, and two, it's like once Carolina started cycling the puck, it's like, well, JJ Paterka's out of the play. Yeah, but the Hurricanes were constantly moving, and then Shea creeped down into into the right circle, and Paterka didn't even steam until the puck came across. Yeah, so, I mean. That that's just perfect hockey, really. That play, like everyone was moving, like the puck was getting spread across to everyone on the team, and like, like, dude, like geez. the the Hurricanes will have their defensemen all, all, all the time. They'll come in and like, if like the forward will come back, a deep man will go down into the corner and rotate. Like the rotation and like the puck, they play positional hot positionless hockey in the offensive zone, which I think is how most hot like most hockey. And the offensive zone should be played just, you know, where the game's going. But, dude, their puck movement is disgusting and it's scary. I mean, I, I there's like outside like outside of Vegas and maybe Boston, like there's no other team better than Hurricanes. I mean, up and down the lineup, though, Hurricane, the Hurricanes when, clear when the Boston. Hurricanes are like on their game, like they're very hard to beat. Like if they're having an off night, it is it's Although, one thing. But when they're like they're, they're playing their game, especially at home, they're so hard to beat at home. There's not a lot of teams that could beat them just straight up. It's unfortunate. Like, they're, the Hurricanes are blessed to have Antiranta because it's unfortunate that Frederick Anderson is out indefinitely with the blood clot. Um, just reported this week. But, I mean, dude, even, like, with Frederick Anderson out indefinitely, like, you still have Antiranta, who would be a starting goaltender on some teams in the league still, which is it's crazy to think about, man. Yeah. I also want to add uh, the only reason, just very cockney, is a Carolina Hurricane is because Mark Bergman offer sheeted Sebastian Ajo, and it was revenge. <laughs> that is that you know. Listen, sometimes you got to be petty like that. And bang, Kakanami is playing like a hell of a player. But we appreciate you guys stopping by, and if you guys enjoy all of our content, all of our socials are down below as well as the subscribe button. And we'll be we appreciate you guys stopping by. So then again, we'll see you guys on Monday. <laughs>